Hey there, enthusiasts. Welcome to Hero Talk. I'm your host, Judge Greg. Joining me, I got Nick. Nick, how's hey, it going? Hey, man. I'm doing all right. Good. All right. So today's film is Book of Eli, which was a post-apocalyptic action flick that was from 2010. And I need to get this... I need to get this out of the way right away because we are not going to wait long before we we jump into this. Uh, this is a spoiler podcast, and we're gonna we can spoil anything. Eli that's been is official. blind. Yeah, you get, you got like two seconds in there, folks. But yeah, <laughs> Eli was blind the whole time. Blind the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Um, it's a spoiler podcast, folks. If if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm I, I say I'm sorry, but I'm not actually sorry. You should have been listening to Hero <laughs> Talk all along. And sorry, let, not sorry. Yeah, basically, yeah. All right, so Eli is blind. He was blind the whole time. That was the twist ending. You didn't find out until, like, the last... I would say the last scene, but it wasn't the last scene. But the end of the last act. It was in the resolution. Yeah, so so there you go. Eli was blind the whole time. And uh, so this movie's been on FX a lot lately. So I was able to give it a chance to to rewatch it. And when you watch this movie, knowing he's blind, you you give it kind of a, a more discerning look in terms of his capabilities and, and what he does. And I gotta say, uh, I don't buy that he was blind. I mean, Eli was blind the same way Daredevil was blind, you know? Kinda, yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff is is completely ridiculous, but at least they do put in stuff to make it make some sense. Like, some of the stuff that he does makes sense if he can't see what he's doing. Yeah. Some of it does, and then some of it just doesn't. Yeah, you know, like, like, uh, like when he finds the corpse in the closet, you know he could find the corpse in the closet by smell, and you pick that up, and then when you rewatch it, but when he knows where the closet door is, mm-hmm. you know, like when he's able to just bring his hand right up and, and like touch the doorknob. Yeah, like, Nick, uh, I can see Nick, and and I don't even have that kind of accuracy <laughs> trying to open a closet door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, me too. Once I walked into an open door, yeah, I hit an open door. Right, so, so it's. And now, so it basically, yeah, you just have to kind of get a, go along with the fact that whatever caused this uh, this apocalypse, and they don't ever go into detail, but I think it's pretty pretty clear it was some nuclear fallout. Yeah. Uh, some world wars uh, based on uh, religious extremism. I think that was at least heavily, that was blamed. Yeah, it was it was very heavily implied. That's the reason why. So you're in this post-apocalypse, and I guess we can say that the the, the post because he he could see before, right? Or was he always blind? Yeah. Yeah, it was implied that uh, he was alive when the war happened, and he probably saw a nuclear detonation, and it burnt out his retinas. Yeah, it's pretty much what it sounded like. Yeah, which now that you, when when I start to think about it, so when did he learn Braille? Sometime after that, apparently. Yeah. Must have been. Cr- that's crazy to learn how to read Braille in post-apocalyptic America. Yep. That's, yeah. I Well, maybe he was a librarian or helped with blind people before. It's, it, it, it's possible he already knew Braille. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's just that, that's one of the many things in this movie that don't quite connect correctly. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of problems with the connective tissue kind of of this yeah. movie. So, yeah. But the bottom line is Eli basically is is he's daredevil blind, not not blind blind. Yeah. Because he does, I mean, he makes some, and again, Nick, I've, I've fired pistols. I, uh, I've in fact fired rifles. <laughs> I fired many kinds of different firearms over the course of, uh, of a military career. Um, uh, I don't have that kind of accuracy, especially one-handed. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the exceptionally weird thing is that those are, those are amazingly accurate shots for a pistol at that range. And then he, he is doing them one-handed. There's, he's not steadying with anything. It's just pop, pop, pop. Yeah. And he makes a bunch of shots count. 
And you're specifically referring to that that one scene where Carnegie, uh, Gary Oldman, is trying to keep mm. him from leaving the town, right? Right, right. And um, that's one. Uh, that's another one of the bits where they're trying to weave in that he is blind because he doesn't shoot first. He waits for people to fire, and then he fires where the gunshot came from. Somehow one-handed, r- ridiculous, right? Plot-driven accuracy. Yeah, it was. Th- that's what really kind of made it weird to me was that you know you take the care to make sure that he doesn't do anything without being prompted by the sound or smell or something or touch. There's or a touch. few of those. Yeah. However, when he does react to it, he does so with some kind of crazy accuracy that I mean, outside of Marvel comics, just don't see. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, other than that, so I guess we should get into the cast a little bit. Uh, yeah. We're not going to go too much into it. So uh, Eli is played by Denzel Washington. Do we have to list what, what Denzel Washington has been in? Can we all just agree that he's been in a ton of movies and just move on? Yeah, and generally they're pretty good. Yeah, so so Eli, who uh, I guess he, um, it's strongly implied that he heard a, a calling from a higher power, whatever it may be, to take a book that he found in the ashes. Now, this is a world where they have destroyed all religious texts. Because they believe that um, that the religious extremism is is what caused the apocalypse, so they decided, well, this will never happen again. We'll just we'll we'll burn all the books, um, like and, you do. Yeah, like you do, like you do. And so he finds what is uh, purported to be the last remaining Bible, and he just kind of gets this feeling that he has to go west. So that's what he's doing. He's just he's just going west. Uh, the irony being is that in the in the in the biblical story of Eli, uh, Eli did not actually hear God's calling. It was uh, it was his student Samuel. Hmm. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I I have to admit I had to look that up. I did not have that right off the top of my head, but uh, it sounded familiar. I guess I've probably yeah. read that that portion of the Bible at some point, but uh, yeah, I had to look that up. But so I you didn't just, know it as well as Eli did. No, not as well as Eli did. That's another thing I really got to kind of throw shenanigans at is I cannot imagine memorizing the Bible word for word. With all of the chapter breaks, with all the verse breaks, that was the crazy thing. He knew the chapter and verse breaks. That was yeah. ins- that's insane. Like even I'm trying to think like how long he would have had to do it. You know, if you it, figure he's walking across America, it's post-apocalyptic America, so it's not really like a straight shot. You got to stop to forage and you know survive and find water and stuff. Uh, you figure well, what, maybe twenty. He was years? supposed to. He he said that he was doing this for thirty years. 30, yeah, that's right, he did. 30 years, wow. That's, um... But even then, I mean, if you spent 30 years putting forth a concerted effort trying to memorize the Bible, that's still a a massive, massive undertaking. Yeah, You'd yeah, be that pretty is. pressed for time. And bearing in mind, and this is, I mean, that's no small feat either, the chapter and verse breaks of all 66 books of the Bible. That is, that is, uh... That is impressive. However, I guess this is the guy with the, the super crack shot aim and very proficient fighter in the Filipino martial art, martial art of Cali. So. Yeah. And what's more, uh, uh, if you're going to call shenanigans on stuff, there's also the fact that a Braille Bible, yes, that's another spoiler, the Bible was in Braille the whole time because mm-hmm. he's blind, yeah. uh, it is absolutely no way that it's that small. I, like a Braille Bible takes up a whole bookshelf. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the because in order to make it to to trick you, basically, you had to make it the size of what would be I would say normal sized Bible. It was still pretty large. Yeah, it would it would it would be like a vanity printing of a of a Bible. Right. But it, it's also really weird when you look at there's the bit near the end when um, 
uh, Gary Oldman's kind of cradling it to him, and you can see it from the side. And you can see that those pages are really, really thick. Yes. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now I didn't I didn't call it. I didn't think it was going to be in Braille. I didn't call the trick ending. I thought that Eli would have done something swift, like at that scene when they were at the cottage with uh, George and Martha. George and Martha. Oh, weren't George and Martha the uh, the Wilsons next door to Dennis the Menace? I don't know off the top of my head. I'd like to think that they are. I want to say it's the same people. It makes me feel better. <laughs> They're still around. Kid so much he has to get a couch full of assault rifles. Yep. Well, it helped him out in the apocalypse. And I'd also like to think that uh, they ate Dennis. That they ate Dennis. Yeah. For some reason, it just gives me a warm fuzzy inside, and I should probably seek some help for that. But what can I do? <laughs> But but yeah, I kind of got the. I thought that they were he was gonna like slip in a phone book into into the cover and have just ripped the cover out because they. I thought they established in one of the establishing shots that there was a phone book in there. Hmm. Um. But I, uh, I don't remember that one. Yeah. It I, might. I was a. I was way off. So anyway, there was a. There was a different. All right. So we're rolling through the cast now. Um. So we've mentioned him a couple times. Carnegie's played by Gary Oldman. We all yep. know what he's been in, and he plays the villain because Gary Oldman likes playing the villain. Yep, and it's it's fun to watch him overact. It is, and so fun to watch him overact. Man, this guy can chew scenery. I mean, he's not like a Raul Julia level of chewing scenery. Yeah. Because no man could ever match that, but yeah, he's he's up there. Yeah, well, he, he's the kind of chewing scenery where you almost don't notice that he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really over the top. Is it possible to be over the top and natural at the same time? If I so, think so. If so, that's what he doing. is. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it um so his uh, star-studded class his uh his um his little uh what would i call him his lackey but not his his kind of lieutenant right hand man red ridge red ridge was played by ray stevenson uh who's been in a lot of things i haven't seen yeah he's been in a ton of stuff let's see he's he's thor he's one of the warriors three in thor i couldn't tell you which one to save my life i'd have to look it up i'm doing that right now volstag he was volstag uh he was firefly in the gi joe retaliation flick um, I want to say he was Punisher in the uh, Punisher Warzone, not the Tom isn't Jane that, one, the other isn't one. Isn't that the one that people actually liked but nobody saw? I don't know if anyone liked it. I saw it, and I thought it was horrible. Okay. I, um, I remember one of those Punisher movies people thought was okay, but nobody saw it. Yeah, I, I like the Tom Jane one. I did not like the the this one. So the one Punisher was the one with Thomas Jane, not to be confused with the other movie just called Punisher, which was starring Dolph Lundgren, uh, which I've also seen. And was not very good. This one was uh, Punisher Warzone. And it was... I mean, he looked more like Punisher. And he kind of got the character down more. But the movie around him was just stupid. Mm. And, well, I never saw him in this. I do know that he was in Rome. uh, Which I think was on HBO. He played somebody in that. Again, never saw him in Rome. But I just... I remember when he was cast as Punisher, everyone said, well, it's Ray Stevenson from, from Rome. Yep. Well, again, like a bunch of stuff I haven't seen. Yeah, so uh, I, yeah that means I haven't seen Thor yet. So Well, that's all right. I, I like to think of Thor as just He-Man. <laughs> it makes me feel better. You know, he's got his magic weapon that makes him power. It just feels more like He-Man. Anyway, we are talking about Book of Eli. Ah, oh, who else we got? We have uh, Claudia played by Jennifer Beals. Now, I know Jennifer Beals from Flashdance. I can't think of anything else that she's been in that I have seen. She she is someone else who's who's not in anything I'm familiar with. Yeah. I'm sure she's been in more stuff than Flashdance. She has a big old full IMDb page that I haven't read and probably won't. But uh, I just know her from Flashdance. So. But she was in it, did a great job. Mila Kunis, who's been in a ton of stuff. I'm not even yeah, on the list she's... what she's been in. She's a 
She's a star of Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Where, yeah, most famously known for Jupiter <laughs> Ascending. I agree. No, I, uh, I'm glad she's making a career for herself. And she Perhaps kind most of recently fall in the paid bubble. for Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if she'd been in anything else she would have received a bigger paycheck for. But no, Jupiter Ascending probably... Maybe if you added day. all of Family Guy together. Yeah. Uh, she's also... Doesn't she do... Um, She does some whiskey ads, too. Uh, news to say. me. Yeah. I, it's something where she talks about, like, how Jim Bean whiskey is specially aged, and then she, like, brands a, a big old cask of it with her name, and she'll be like, and I'll be back to get this in five years. And I remember thinking, like, that is a lot of whiskey. <laughs> She is not that big a girl. There's no way she drinks that much whiskey in that amount of time. Like that, <laughs> you know. I'm I'm supposed to believe that that whiskey's supposed to last her for five years until I guess the next. I don't know. I'm overthinking it. Yes, you are. And I need to stop. All right. So I will. We. That's really the only cast I really feel we need to go into. I don't. Did anybody well, else really jump out? There's a couple. Of, there's a couple of little bits. Uh, I know. Um, from was it George and Martha? Uh, George. Uh, I noticed he played uh, Dumbledore. Oh, George was Dumbledore? And and this is something that I find even more interesting. Uh, the engineer in town, the one who unlocked the Bible and bartered mm-hmm. with Eli at the beginning, is Tom Waits. That I did know, yeah. Gotta love some Tom Waits because any like he's just insane. He's one of those guys, and I feel bad, he's that guy where you almost, if you saw him walking down the street, you'd be like, you're the guy from that show. <laughs> but, like, I couldn't tell you what show he's been on. It's like, he looks familiar. I've probably seen him in a hundred things. His IMDb page is so packed that I, I can't even possibly discern through this. Especially he, he, not, he, not on mic, but, yeah. He's got an incredibly strange career, but, I mean, if anyone doesn't isn't familiar with him, uh, the quick way to, to anyone knowing who he is, he's the guy that did the interview that inspired Heath Ledger's uh, character of the Joker in The Dark Knight. Oh, I've seen that interview. That was that was, that was Tom the, Waits. Oh, no kidding. Yep. I did. I have not made that connection. Yeah, that, that was him. I, I never made that connection. Yeah, but now I'm looking at his pictures, and yeah, that was him. Yeah, there's also this is kind of off, but someone also took a couple of songs from either his most recent or one of his particularly recent albums, at least as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? God's Away on Business, and oh, I can't remember the name of the other one offhand, but they. They synced the audio for it to shots of Cookie Monster on Sesame Street because Tom Waits' voice sounded a lot like Cookie Monster in that song, and it's really weird to watch this. That would be weird. Yeah. I've never made that connection before, that he's the guy from the interview. Because I've seen the interview, yeah. but the name just didn't really ring a bell with me. Uh, so, yeah, holy cow, Dumbledore. Yep. Now, was he? there was two people who played Dumbledore, right? I think it was the later one. I'm not sure. Okay. Because the first one was dead, and this guy's still alive. Okay. That's not really the most sensitive way of putting it, but uh, I'm not going to edit that out, so we're just going to go ahead and... <laughs> it's going to make the final cut. <laughs> uh, let me see. So now, now I felt like I needed to look up Martha and, and look her up. She's, uh... What has she been in? She's also from Harry Potter. Really? Yeah. Don't ask me who she played. I'm just looking at... All right. A Madame Maxime. Does that... I, did I you ever know. see the movies? I saw one of the movies once. I think I saw... This is this is how random it's been. I saw like one, five, and then the last one. The second part of seven. Aha. Uh-huh. So, obviously I missed some stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I had seen all of them in order, I probably would have gotten more out of it, but I... 
Don't just, have time? Yeah, I don't have that kind of time. I saw the last <laughs> one because I just kind of wanted to see how everything wrapped up. That was that was my, my motivation. I'm like, oh, so he dies. Oh, so she dies. Oh, all right. Everyone's dead except the main characters. And Snape died. But that's okay. He was good all along. It's all on the table in fair game, people. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, all right. So she killed was, Dumbledore. Yep. Anywho. Uh, let's... I can't... Did I just say anywho? I apologize. Yeah, but I think that's pretty much every important cast member. Right. There's this other guy who was, uh, he's, he's credited as the raid leader and his name is Chris Browning. And I swear he sounds familiar. Like I should have seen him in a hundred things. Uh, but he, no, I, it, I, I think I know who you're talking about. And the reason he sounds really familiar is because he sounds a lot like Badger from Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. And uh, it's not him. No, it, it isn't. <laughs> it's just, he, he, his voice sounds yeah. a lot like No, him. I don't recognize anything he's been in. Although he's, he's in the new Supergirl series. That's, uh, that's on CBS now. I it's on my DVR. I haven't watched it yet, but yeah. I, I have to decide if I'm going to actually keep watching. I don't know. I unless don't... unless this unless that person was supposed to be the first raid leader that mm-hmm. that we see Eli run into and basically just kill all of them right away. Uh-huh. Um, his first line sounded a lot like Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Again, it wasn't Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Speaking of that scene, uh, so that's that's another scene you watch now. You know he's blind, and you kind of wait to see like, is there anything that tips him off to a lot of these things coming? And now the guy with the chainsaw, I can kind of play around with. If you can hear the chainsaw, you can maybe react to it. He's also like blocking things from people that are behind him who aren't making yeah. that much noise. Like the the parrying is total garbage. That that has yeah. to be just, that. Like, if we can accept gun kata, <laughs> we should be able to yeah. accept at least, like, some degree of echolocation ability in Eli. Yeah. You, at this point, and the problem is, is that when you make the reveal, like, oh, he was blind the whole time, and then you almost, like, you make people start to look back and think through the movie, and then you know if somebody wants to see it again. Now, granted, given its Rotten Tomatoes rating... Probably not a lot of people wanted to see it again, <laughs> and I don't know why. It's not a bad movie. It, it, it's you know, we've, we've it, certainly reviewed worse on Hero. Oh Talk. yes, oh yes. Um, I, you know what? Gary Oldman was allowed to overact in this. He pretty much wasn't allowed to overact in RoboCop. So, yeah, but uh, I just I don't know. I just I feel like if that's going to be your twist, you, you can't have him doing these fantastical, unbelievable things because then then it feels almost like the twist is a betrayal <clears throat> of the character. You know, because now I'm yeah. sitting there looking. I'm like, now, come on. There's no way. There's no way he was blind. And and that's that's not the reaction you want to your big twist. Yeah, the uh, the parrying just blows everything out of the water. It's like oh. I can I can accept like some echolocation ability. Like he's there are cases of human echolocation on record. Mm-hmm. There is like several points where you can hear him like clicking his tongue or something. Yeah. Again, actually, the scene when. Uh, Gary Oldman was trying to stop him from leaving the town, right? When everybody's trying to stop him, you can hear him going something like that. Uh, so yeah, I never put that together. To yeah, that was echolocation, wasn't it? Yeah, same thing when he was hunting the cat at the beginning. Yeah, you're right. No, I never pieced that together that he was using echolocation. I just thought it was like a nervous tick that he had as a character. But yeah, no, that could be seen. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I'm pretty sure that was intentional because there's mm-hmm. a few other kind of intentional tips to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even at the beginning, uh, you know, he walks into a shadowy house and he doesn't take off his sunglasses. Right, right. Uh, or like yeah. he puts his hand on the shelf and just kind of like slides it across and starts knocking stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And if they kept with that level of. I don't know how you call it, relative clumsiness, then it would be a lot more believable. If if 
say when the fights happened, he actually just killed everybody so quickly that parrying wasn't an issue. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you can buy the whole, like, you, you touch me with that hand again, you're not going to get it back. Because as soon as the guy pushes him, he knows where it's at. Yeah. So he can react to that. But in, when you show, like, you know, that he's parrying and, like, dodging attacks that he shouldn't know are coming, then you just, again, you get now I'm in this world where he's basically daredevil and effectively not blind, except just can't read words on a page. He has to read Braille. Like, no trespassing. Yeah. Can't read a no trespassing sign. Mm-hmm. But that got us to George and Martha, so. It did get us to George and Martha. And then, and there were some good parts in George and Martha, like when he heard the rattling of the teacup. And that's how we knew that they were, you know, they were cannibals, because that's... I don't know if there's any scientific basis to this, but in the world of of Eli, cannibals handshakes. Uh, Yeah, there is a basis for it. Uh, It's an actual uh, disease where mutated proteins start replicating in the brain and they start causing trembling and all kinds of other nasty stuff. But it's not the kind of thing that will manifest after a few years, and it's usually because... People like generationally keep eating the brains of people, so these mutated proteins keep replicating in the brain and stacking onto itself. Okay, so it's not something that would happen like if people just started being cannibals since a nuclear holocaust, basically. Yeah, uh, let me see if I can find the name of not, it. Not yeah. that I really ah. want people to do a lot of studies on cannibalism, <laughs> but I just yeah, it's called kuru. It's called kuru. Okay, it's transmitted by uh, prions, a mix of. Oh, I think that was... Never mind. This uh, isn't a biology lesson. Yeah, we, we almost got real educational here on Hero Talk. <laughs> and we need to just put the brakes on that right now. But I, yes. had, I had no idea if that was a thing. So when he shows up and he talks to the, uh, the engineer in his shop, and the, the engineer asks him if his hand is steady. Now, I had never even heard of this condition before, literally right now. And the scene where they establish that the shaking means they're cannibals, when Eli actually explains it to uh, Mila Kunis' character, Solera. Yeah, Solera. That happens towards the end of the movie. So when he asks him to hold his hand steady, I have no idea why he's holding his hand steady or what that represents. That might be why they repeated it later when he went into the bar. Yeah. To try to underscore that this is a thing. You identify yourself as trustworthy by holding your hand steady, which I suppose means people with Parkinson's are in double bad. Well... Post-apocalyptic world, everyone's in a bad shape. But yeah, that's that is an unfair standard. But that's exactly what you do in a post-apocalyptic world. Where and uh, Eli's still rolling around with an iPod. Yeah, which is kind of impressive. and an early generation one. That's that that one had a physical hard drive. It sure or did. A magnetic hard drive, not yep. a, a solid state one. So yeah, that's going to be prone to mechanical failure. I can't so. believe it was still working. Yeah, also, it's you know pretty what? Impressive. When and this is this also got me thinking. If you were blind. And, you know, you use your hearing as much as Eli does. Would you want an iPod in your ear that loud all the time? Probably not. Like Now, now granted, in, in a world where it's, you know, danger isn't literally just waiting around every corner, you can probably be okay with that. But when you're like, he's in a house he doesn't know, just started a fire. You inside know, the house. Inside the house. You think maybe you want to keep your ears open in case that draws some attention of somebody who might also be passing by, who... You know, because they basically they established there are these roving gangs of people who are out there doing unspeakable things that we're not really going to go into here. But, you know, bad there's, stuff. there's bad people out there that, and that is established repeatedly throughout the, the film. But he puts the things in his ears and he just doesn't really pay attention. Uh, maybe he just felt the need to celebrate that he found boots to fit. Yeah. No, I think that scene is very powerful when you when you think about like the kind of stuff you need to do in that situation. Because if you're walking across the United States, just trying to get shoes 
is probably a big deal. Yeah. Especially just in this world where, you know, they're not making anymore. Yeah, you'd think somewhere somebody's making them. Well, who knows? They, yeah, I, they, mean, they, so, I mean, somewhere has to not be bombed out, right? Like, I, I hate to, to cite Fallout, but this this movie felt so much like Fallout to me. It was scary. Oh, it it, it, it if anyone ever wanted a Fallout movie, watch this. I mean, it's uh, the atmosphere is almost perfect. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really was. I I mean, I had a I had just uh, played Fallout Three before I had seen this movie. I shouldn't say just played, but I mean, like, within six months or so, I had, uh, I had been playing Fallout 3, and I remember watching this, and I got this this really, really big Fallout 5. Now, this came out, like, a couple of... Uh, not A couple of movies. Not a couple. Uh, just The Road. It was a similar-style movie. came out right about the same time. That was... That had just a way different feel to it. And then this came out, and this was just Fallout. And I've seen this movie compared to The Road and, like, compared to The Road Warrior... And I just, I would say this, this fallout is probably the most accurate way of trying to like piece together what was going on in this movie. And I, I didn't really see a whole lot or at least recognize a whole lot that could have made this not a fallout movie. I mean, like you could almost see this being like a DLC for a fallout game to play as. Yeah, pretty much. You know? Even had Malcolm McDowell in it. It even Speaking had Malcolm of McDowell. Of course, yeah. I was I was saving that for when we started bringing up Fallout. Actually, I felt <laughs> that was most appropriate. But yes, President John Henry Eden is now taking over Alcatraz and running a printing press. Now he plays. Uh, trying to think. Um, Lombardi, I think, is the character's name. I'm not sure if he says it. I just know it from the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to and, think, and that... he's got some serious Doc Brown hair going on there too. He does. I like to think that the the president from Fallout uh, was based on Lombardi because I'm putting them all in the same universe in my head. Yeah, and that they like I I knew the guy and he was he had done some research and before he left to go to Alcatraz to establish their their last bastion of actual literature that uh, they used his his scans to to create the president. But whatever, I'm just that's all just head canon. That doesn't really mean much of anything. <laughs> Um, I am surprised that they don't get more people go heading up to Alcatraz. Also need to point out, um, not that I'm super familiar with, uh, you know, the San Francisco Bay and specifically the tides, uh, but I do happen to know that the, the currents, like the ebb and flood of San Francisco Bay is pretty powerful. Yeah, you're not going to be able to take a, a <laughs> rowboat. From San Francisco to yeah. Alcatraz, maybe from the East Bay, but not from San Francisco. Exactly, Bay. exactly. And like when you show that's them, part of why Alcatraz was a very secure prison because if you left, where are you going to go? You're going to get sucked out into the ocean. Yeah. So there's this point where they leave, they're like in San Francisco, they point the boat at Alcatraz and they're rowing, <laughs> and I'm just thinking like, no, not a chance. Nope. If if you want me to believe that they can somehow fight the current, super. All right, a guy's already got superhuman abilities. Fine. Like rowing a boat with a gunshot wound in his stomach. Yeah, but you you're not just gonna point at the boat at Alcatraz. Like that's just. You know, I, I guess they're assuming that people don't know how, you know, how flood works and ebbed flood works. But yeah, anyway, that was kind of silly. But anyway, it's, that's, well, that's I, a I think nitpick. it's because I yeah. think it's because the big problem was that they were in San Francisco itself when they left and they needed to be in San Francisco itself for people to realize they were in the Bay Area. Right. Where if they were on the East Bay, maybe if they were on the East Bay and looking out over and saw the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, you could I could, yeah maybe that, And they yeah. could launch the, 
that he could launch that dinghy from a more reasonable position. Right. But now they, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic world. If they hit San Francisco, you got to show a destroyed Golden Gate. And to the film's credit, at least when they had a broken section of road for the Golden Gate, it was in a spot that made a bit more sense structurally. Because usually you're going to see something weird happen, like someone splits at the very center of the build where the tension wires go down. And if that happens, the whole, the whole bridge is going down. Right, Because right. the, the main tension wires break. It's a suspension bridge. You need all of it. Yeah, that that it happens too often. The Golden Gate Bridge, poor Golden Gate, man. This this I I don't know. I've seen this destroyed in so many movies that uh, I was almost surprised when I went to San Francisco to actually see it still there. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I thought Magneto wrecked this, but no, it's still here. All right. Oh, he picked it up and moved it, didn't he? He did. He he disconnected both sides and he moved it to create a land bridge to Alcatraz because that's where the mutants it's always Alcatraz it's always Alcatraz man people love Alcatraz it's it's the the legends of it I mean I I went to Alcatraz when I went to San Francisco I did I was totally tourist went to Alcatraz and for those of you out there in the hero talk world if you do go to Alcatraz and do want to take the tour do it at night it's much better at night I'll remember that if I ever take that tour. Yeah, I'm just saying, because at night, it's like they kind of, like, they leave you sort of on your own and you self-guided tour, because hmm. there's fewer people and they, they, they don't let as many people on, so it's not as crowded. And like and then after the self-guided tour, they're basically like, all right, so uh, boat leaves in an hour, so be on it. And you're kind of like, you get to look around at stuff and actually went in the solitary cells, which is pretty cool. And let me tell you, when they close the doors there, then that is dark. There is I'm no dead. light. Yeah, so, but that's enough about Alcatraz. Uh, so let's let's talk more about the, the the book of Eli. There was a lot of product placement. There was a lot of product you wouldn't placement. think a post apocalyptic movie would have so much. No, but let me, let's think what there was. KFC immediately jumps to, to mind. Beats by Dre. That's right. He had Beats. That's right. The, the iPod itself. The iPod itself. There was a Motorola megaphone. There was. Holy cow! You're right. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff. Um. I guess that's... GMC trucks, maybe, but, I mean, you gotta have some car somewhere, I suppose. Right, yeah, I, you know, but, yeah, there was... The KFC one, I think, was the one that stuck out to me, because he's he's using the KFC handy wipes to, to clean himself, and he was using them yeah. as currency, and it was just... It really seemed like they went out of their way to show you, like, look, it's a KFC wipe. The I, I think the Beats by Dre one was, was more sort of uh, uh, overt for me because they have the, the little bee on the side of the earbud and they had to get him in his ear and get the light just right so you could see the imprint. And it had to be clean enough that you could see the imprint in that shot right at the beginning when he's listening to the music. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. It was it was a little, it was a little heavy-handed. Um, so I guess we, we need to sort of talk about the overarching story here, and it's not just Eli walking the Bible west, but Carnegie wants the Bible, and I get the impression like he's sending guys out to find, I don't know if we can say specifically a Bible, but he wants them to find some religious text we can presume. I, I'm pretty sure he specifically wanted the Bible. The impression that I got was that he was at some sort of, um, I'll just pick a, a, a label here and call it Southern Baptist style. They had a preacher who was able to uh, 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 rile people up uh, with, um, you know, citing religious text and so forth. And so he had a background understanding that you can use the words of the Bible to essentially incite people or right. inspire them. I mean, at one point he he tried to to ask Eli for the book because, you know, he wanted to be able to motivate them to help people, you know, live better without having to resort to all the ugly stuff. Mm -hmm. So it almost felt like 
actually, when they got to that, I couldn't help but think that maybe they had Gary Oldman act ex- especially evil so that he wouldn't be sympathetic. Because on a very basic level, if you only look at that part, it, it looks a little bit noble. Yeah. Yeah, but they do make him at least almost comic book villainy, but of course it's Gary Oldman, so that's what you get. But it really felt like they made it that way, so you understood. Like, he just wanted to use it for the fire and brimstone manipulation and to to use it to basically get people to do what he wanted. And it's, uh, I mean, it's understandable in the fact that if, if you've seen it used to coerce people in the past, then you would think, like, that's a very powerful tool. Um that's why he starts screaming. It's not a book. It's a weapon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, one would think and this is this is kind of where my head went to because I, you know, this this could have been a Bible, could have been a Torah, could have been a Koran. Uh, the reason it was a Bible is because they'd already had all those things on Alcatraz. So mm-hmm. whatever the the higher power, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. There's a little Ghostbusters reference. I don't know if those are the <laughs> right words, but uh, I sang it anyway. But so or we'll we'll take the um. We'll take the quantum leap uh, approach to the explanation of the higher power is God or fate or whatever is is guiding Eli West with uh, with the Bible, and we figure it's doing it because it whatever is guiding him, call it fate or God or whatever, knows that the Bible's the last text that they need to complete their collection. So that's why that's what it is. Um, but I mean, I would think that if I was Gary Oldman and I wanted to be able to use a religious text in order to try to incite extremism and create a cult-like following in my name, uh, any of them would do. And, and absent that, I mean, he obviously has some understanding of what was in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Well, could, couldn't he just kind of make something up? I mean, he already he had enough followers and enough charisma that, I mean, he could almost just kind of invent It starts stuff. making you wonder just how much he really needed it. And that's yeah. another one of those links where the movie kind of fails. Where it just doesn't look like it should be that necessary for him to be this dead set on getting this book, where he's constantly sending people out to scour the countryside, to to you know scour through uh, uh, burnt out buildings or whatever, raiding people to try to find a copy of it, and then starting a essentially a small war to try to get a copy of it. It it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, it was he in order to get the copy of the book, he basically he ran his resources so light or so low that he didn't have the ability to maintain any order in his little township anymore. Yeah, everything fell apart. Eli shot him at one point mm-hmm. and he wouldn't he didn't uh, spend enough time or effort trying to recover. He kept pushing himself. His wound got gangrenous. Mm-hmm. So he was dying. Uh, Eli and George and Martha wound up killing a bunch of his men. He wound up having nothing left, and he was dying, and everything was falling apart, and he wound up with a copy of a Braille Bible that he couldn't read. Uh, the the woman there he was with, Solara's mom, uh, I can't remember her name. Claudia. Claudia, yeah, and, and she, was, uh, she was blind. She theoretically could read Braille, but she wouldn't do it for him, and she just walked out. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, of her being blind, I thought that was a... A strange inclusion to have her be blind, and you can see her reacting in a much more natural way, of, right. of, like bl- a st- as a state of blindness, where well, she's saying, "Like she didn't you have get to- daredevil powers from." It. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, she did not. Yeah, but yeah, I think that was kind of the point I was trying to make. Is is that 
Carnegie is portrayed as a character who would not need to have religious texts in front of him in order to create a cult-like following. He could just make up religious-esque texts. He probably knows enough of it offhand that he could make enough up enough of it to get that kind of a following already. I mean, if you look at, at some some cults, and we're not going to we're not going to try to make this into a, a religious podcast. It's not religious talk. But there are some cults out there that have basically... They, there's no real established basis for their belief system. They've just sort of made it up as they go. Yep. And I don't see any reason why somebody who had that intention would need a Bible for that. Especially from uh, what seemed like most of the people in that town... I, I, now, some of those guys had to be old enough to at least have remembered that there were Bibles and Korans and Torahs and religious texts and Books of Mormon and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, especially, like, his raid leader guy, like, had no idea what he was asking for, you know? like um, Why do you want the Bible? He's like, you, you I, I, did I get the right book? Like, he, he didn't even know how to read, basically, to even know if he got yeah. something that was called the Bible. And he, Yeah, he wound up getting, like, the Da Vinci Code and some... Other fluff. Yeah. Now, if you can't create a cult on the Da Vinci Code, you're just not trying. <laughs> there's there's plenty in there to go on. All right. But but anyway, it's uh you know it, it's it it just kind of seemed odd to me that this guy couldn't read because he was clearly old enough to have been around before all the bombs fell. If you want to tell me, maybe he just never learned to read because he was uh you know in the penal system. And again, we're not going to just talk about the you know American justice system and any of the failures there. But it just it just seemed to me like they was very selective in terms of the timeline for how long things had been bad and how far gone people were. That it's hard for me to believe that you know guys like the engineer and guys like Ray Stevenson and guys like all these other people wouldn't already have some knowledge of the Bible or or any just basic knowledge of the world's religions that were prior to the burnings, uh, or would still, you know, even be able to read or something. It just, it really felt a, a kind of odd that Gary Oldman's the only one who, who remembered out of all these people. And, and uh, you're pointing all this out and you're going to accept the concept that every Bible was destroyed. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. There, there are. It is, it is uh, the most printed book in the history of print. It was, in fact, the first printed book in the uh, on a printing press. And, yeah. Yeah. So it was. You know, it's. I obviously I, they didn't get them all, but yeah. I, I guess if you want to look at it from Carnegie's point of view, it's not like they're all just walking through his town. Right. Well, the um, another thing, uh, like pointing out all this stuff, and and this was a very um, uh, faith inspired movie. And in my opinion, a lot of faith-inspired fiction, like the the idea and the the impetus for creating this story was based on your faith, oftentimes sort of veer into very hand-wavy, heavy-handed storytelling, like just uh, 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 moralizing almost, something like that. Right. But, I mean, um, there was there was a pretty good message in there is that, you know, there was – uh, kind of in the subtext, there was this whole subplot of the fact that Eli reads the Bible every night, is dedicating himself to, to memorizing the Bible. And he gets towards Andy, he's like, I never really considered the words that were in it, you know? Yeah, well, he er, he yeah. uh, lost sight of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there. The, I think that what the point I was trying to get at is I think that this movie is actually better than most 
uh, examples of such faith-inspired fiction. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, I, I think in in here it manifests itself in a lot of the, like I said earlier, the connective tissue doesn't quite work. I mean, like the, I guess you could call it the Act 1 to Act 2 transition is so clumsy when uh, uh, Carnegie sends Solara to try to seduce Eli and Eli says, no, I'm not going to do that. But uh, she has to stay so that her mom doesn't get beaten. So it's like, okay, okay. And they eat together, and he prays, and then she just mimics it the next day, which tips Carnegie off to the presence of the Bible. Right. It did. That really didn't make any sense. That that was definitely an entire sequence made almost entirely for pl- plot convenience. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I don't think there was a lot of realism to the fact that she would repeat the prayer without really a hundred percent understanding it. But I, I don't. We we don't see a lot of conversation. Maybe she was more inquisitive. You know, maybe I don't I don't know. It's I I was a little clunky, but there there was worse stuff in there, like the fact that Eli had superpowers. Yeah, no, I, I was just narratively that particular transition yeah. stuck out to me quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I would say the thing that bothered me the most was the idea that Carnegie didn't couldn't just make up stuff, and that his his guy there. Uh, uh, I can't think of the guy's name now. Ray Stevenson's character, Redridge. Yeah, Redridge. That Redridge and like his guy, his band of hooligans couldn't read somehow. Like Redridge Coo- could read, but he didn't want to go out on the raids. Oh, oh is that, that what was that's going the on? impression I got? Yeah, that, yeah, like at the beginning, he's like, "Do you want to go out?" And he's like, "No." But then why couldn't his guys read? I mean, were they all super young? Is that was going like? Because Mila Kunis, I can understand. She was clearly born after things went down, and it's just she's not in a world where. Learning to read is a priority, unless it's reading yeah. Braille, in which case you can figure that out and get it done. <laughs> well, uh, actually, another thing about sort of the mindlessly zealous nature of uh, Carnegie is if you use him as a, or rather if you use uh, Malcolm McDowell's character as a counterpoint to Gary Oldman's character, where Gary Oldman almost He's reading, and he looks like he's interested in knowledge, but he's really just interested in power. And then you go to see Malcolm McDowell and the library that they're amassing in uh, uh, Alcatraz. They're actually doing what Gary Oldman sort of presented himself as trying to do, to try to gain this information to rebuild. Yep. So. And and so just because I can't quite remember, and I don't know why it's worth mentioning in Hero Talk, but uh, it was a new King James version of the Bible, right? I believe so, yes. They, they say what that was? So, like, all those other translations are gone. Apparently. So, I don't know if that was significant or not, but you... you... Or it's just the first translation that they had in the uh, in their library. Because, the like you said, there's it's, it's very hard to believe that this is the last one. I mean, he found a working iPod somewhere out there. Somewhere <laughs> out there, there's a working Kindle that's, that's got, you know... <laughs> Every possible version of the Bible you could possibly imagine out there, and it just needs a good charge. Every single Gideon's Bible in every motel, (laughs) everywhere has been destroyed. (laughs) I know. Some of those drawers are locked, people. Yeah, so you're willing to tell me that somewhere in some bombed-out, post-apocalyptic world, somebody went through all the Motel (laughs) 6s, got all the Bibles out of it. No, there are other Bibles out there. Although, in, in their defense, I do think that they distribute the new King James Version, so they, they've already got that one. Mm. That one, they got the, the memorized Braille version of it. <laughs> They're micro-Braille that fits in one volume. Yeah. Also, how kind of weird is it that... Now, because there, this is a, a North American-based 
film. It's you know it's in the United States. They're in Alcatraz. That they managed to get a Torah and a Koran before a Bible somehow made it to them. Uh, I guess people weren't as mad at uh, the other religions. I I guess it just it just kind of felt to me like I would think per now I don't know the numbers per capita. I have no idea what what the, what the the cross section of America is, and I'm not going to even try to venture a guess. But if I had to just go with what I thought would would be the general convention. I would think there are probably per capita more Bibles in the United States than there are Korans or Torahs. And the Tanakh, too. I, I keep forgetting the Tanakh, but they specifically showed that. It's, it's another, I believe, Jewish text. Um, yeah, I saw that one there, too. I was trying to identify it, and I just kind of gave up real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't see this one. I don't know if it was there, too. I mentioned it kind of briefly, but I was just kind of pulling religious texts off the top of my head. Did they have a Book of Mormon? I don't believe so. Huh. But I wasn't looking for it either. They have a so, shot where they're so going across these books. So sequel is what you're books. telling me. Sequel. <laughs> oh, God, no. Uh, no. If it is, it has to be by uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> All right, let's stop now. It, it, can be, it can also be a sequel to their play. I okay, we could do that. Anyway, um, so yeah, I just, sorry, I just re- really briefly looked up the tonic to see what's actually in the tonic. Uh, which is now here's the funny thing though, because <laughs> they had the Torah and they had the Tanakh, and there's actually a lot of overlap between those two books and the Bible. I mean, it's I almost. That. I mean, there's between those two books, they had most of the Old Testament. It was really the New Testament they needed. Yeah. And now let's. And there's a whole up. bunch. Of, if you start getting into specifically New Testament printing, there's more Bibles there that that are just the New Testament. Oh, there are just the new ones. I remember at college they used to. Uh, w- one of the Gideons would come a couple times a year and just start handing out New Testament Bibles to uh, to anyone walking by. So you're telling me that somebody went through all the college campus dorm rooms and dug through their bookshelves and got all of those in post-apocalyptic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I think I think we've we've put that to bed enough. Um, so so I don't think we have. There's also that Lolcat's Bible translation. Yeah, but they're not gonna. They don't want that at Alcatraz. <laughs> no, they they don't. All right, so let's let's go back to George and Martha just just for a moment. Yes, that's the most entertaining thing that we haven't gone into enough yet. Yeah, I <laughs> I know this is awful, especially because I told you that I've had canon that they were. George and Martha Wilson from Dennis the Menace, and they actually yeah. ate Dennis, and why not his parents too, and probably Margaret. Um, I, I I get why people don't want cannibals around; that it's it's frowned upon. I mean, it is negative karma in Fallout, so that makes sense with the world around you. Um, however, drinking blood was not negative karma, was it? I don't remember. I I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. By the way, this is a good time to say uh, we're also going to spoil the Fallout Three video game too. That's on the table in Fair Game. Because in Fallout 3, like, you met with the vampires, and you could either learn their vampire code, and if you did that, you could drink blood and get your health back. Mm-hmm. Or you could just do what I did on my second playthrough and just go in guns a-blazing and kill them all. Uh, I think I think I... <laughs> I think I did use blood packs in that mm-hmm. game, and uh, because I wasn't a vampire, it only gave me one hit point back, mm-hmm. and I didn't get any negative karma from it there. Oh, okay, I think if you actually were a vampire, you got ten blood or ten hit points. Yeah, back something from like it. that. Yeah. Anyway, so but anyway, these people were cannibals. Uh, you get negative negative karma points for being a cannibal. Also, I oh, there was some other game where if you ate, they called it meat, quote unquote, and if you ate that, then you. You also got negative karma. I don't know. Was that stupid Ubisoft one that was kind of released unfinished? You climb buildings. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're not talking about that. (laughs) 
So, so I, I get it. I get it. It's 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 negative karma, and you don't want to associate with these people. But George and Martha were being quite pleasant and nice. Yeah, they fired up the old Victrola. They sure did. Played Ring My Bell. Yeah, I mean, they were being very po- polite. So it just kind of seemed a little odd. Like when Eli was like, okay, we got to go. We have to leave. You stay sitting down right there. I mean, is I think the implication was that uh, George and Martha were going to kill Eli and Solaris and eat them. No, that just kind of seems like it's stereotyping. <laughs> not, not that I think that cannibals get a bad rap and we need to learn to understand them. <clears throat> that is not the, where I'm trying to go with this. Uh, but it just seems like in, in when you get to post-apocalyptic uh, America, maybe, maybe just maybe you gotta relax your standards a little bit for the, for the sake of survival. Not that I'm saying you should eat people in post-apocalyptic America. You should not. That is negative karma. Goose, I'm talking to you specifically now, Goose. <laughs> should not do that. I don't care if you always play as the bad guy in these games. Goose, talking to you. <laughs> don't eat people. That's anyway. bad, okay? Yeah, so... But anyway, you know, but like, it, you don't... I mean, obviously, don't eat any meat they offer you, but yeah. you can drink their tea. Well, they did, so... And they did, yeah, and then... Yeah. If they had any cheese, I don't know. Is there any kind of weird cannibal way to make cheese that you need to be worried about? I don't think so. Unless it's cannibal head cheese, but that's a completely different thing. Yeah, you would think he would, by smell, he'd be able to figure that part out. <laughs> but anyway, and man, those guys had some guns. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that was, it, it, something about this reminded me of this something. All the guns reminded me about the survivalists from Tremors. Oh, yeah. You know <laughs> but, what? And this is... I mean, all you people want to sit there and be like, oh, you got to register. Why do you need a rocket-propelled grenade launcher? <laughs> this is why you need a rocket-propelled grenade launcher. Hmm? Yeah, if, do you uh, want, if they'd do you had want... one, then Martha wouldn't have died, and then uh, George wouldn't have gone out uh, just trying to shoot everybody and then get himself killed. Exactly. Because they could have taken out the armored car that uh, Red right. Ridge fired the RPG from. That's, that's right. That is why. All right? I don't think we feel we need to defend this anymore. Point made (laughs) (laughs) all right um i think we've offended quite a few people in this episode and i'm not cutting any of that out it's gonna stay all right we're sending it to print like that (laughs) go ahead and cue this one up and alcatraz when when one day alcatraz is making transcripts of hero talk to preserve you know for the ages after we're all gone uh they will get all of this in 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 there at the alcatraz they must keep the scrum trolescence that is hero talk (laughs) Yes. All right, so anyway, now is the time on Hero Talk where we talk about what our favorite part of the movie was. And Nick, what's your favorite part of Book of Eli? I think, well, generally I'd actually say my favorite part was with uh, George and Martha and that whole shootout because it was just so... It's when things other than Gary Oldman got to be over the top. And it got... Actually, that whole sequence really felt like it was directed by somebody else. Like the the like there was all these weird tracking shots and explosions, and the mm-hmm. camera spun around. It was very different from the rest of the movie, it and it was. was actually pretty fun. I mean, it was fun. Uh, Not that so the other action scenes weren't fun in the movie, but this one definitely no, did stand no. out. And, and I I, th- I think we might have uh, uh, given a bad impression of some of them because I mean they're they're ridiculous and fantastical, but they're still fun to watch. Like oh, all this stuff, it's is fun entertaining. To watch. I, it feels like we've been nitpicking this movie. And playing, and, and again, I don't, I do not want Hero Talk to be like CinemaSins or Honest Trailers or what's the other one that nitpicks how it should have ended. I don't want us to be that. We're not here to just nitpick and be like, see, it's stupid because of all this stuff. 
However, there's some pretty blatant stuff in this movie that we oh, couldn't, yeah. we yeah, couldn't yeah. help but but bring attention to. Like, oh my god, the magic grenade is like the most powerful grenade in history. <laughs> Holy cow! You got that too. An armored car and launched it about forty feet in the air. One grenade. When that grenade went off and I saw it happen, I'm thinking like, you know, that's that's actually not how grenades work. Not in the slightest. <laughs> like you guys, you guys really should have been using more of those. <laughs> One of those would have obliterated that house. You should have just chucked one. Yeah. Oh, or, man. or actually, I, I, I'm sorry. When when they had a, at the beginning of the George and Martha shootout, when they threw out the fake Bible, yep. and it was a bomb, and Redridge just drops it, and they run away, and then the car next to it explodes. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I get what you're I, trying to do, but that's yeah. But anyway, yeah, super fun movie though. I just want to make sure we make that clear. This actually is right. a fun movie. Um, but uh, I, I also actually, uh, for my favorite thing, there is a specific moment, and uh, I, I'll uh, because we're you know kind of quick on this one. I'll I'll, I'll edit the line for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's when uh, uh, Eli pretty much gives up and tells him where the Bible actually is in George and Martha's house. It's like it's in the back of the TV and. Uh, 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 Gary Oldman says, go check the TV. Henchman, the what? Uh, you're freaking shooting me. You go. <laughs> they don't know what a TV. Who doesn't know what a TV is? Anyone from before the flash would be like, oh, my God, you don't know what a TV is. <laughs> I, I, I know. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, th- that was probably one of my favorite parts, too. If I had to say my absolute favorite part, and this is so cheesy, and I apologize because this movie was fun the whole way through. But when Gary old or when um. When Malcolm McDowell showed up, because <laughs> he comes out of nowhere, I had no idea he was even in this movie. And all of a sudden, he's uncredited. I think. Yeah, I think he's uncredited too. But it was when Malcolm McDowell shows up. I'm very much just finished playing Fallout Three, mm. and Malcolm McDowell shows up. That's when I'm like, "Holy cow! This is a Fallout movie!" Oh yeah. No, because I I gotten the vibe before. It definitely felt Fallout. I was thinking Fallout from beginning to end, and. As far as I'm concerned, this is the most faithful movie adaption of a video game to date <laughs> of Fallout. Even more so than Avengers was of XCOM, this one is of Fallout. I because I, I I'm serious. If you this could have been a DLC for Fallout Three. Oh yeah, if you just imagine you're playing Fallout and if you took Fallout, took out the gun, so you have like your uh, Skyrim weaponry, yeah, but you still have Vats, you'd fight a whole lot like Eli. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You start targeting limbs and chopping them off and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Which is uh, how I plan to play Fallout Four. I think I'm gonna. You're gonna go all melee. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Eli. Is what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually try to build Eli. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to build Eli, and I will be Eli just blowing through Boston with my machete and my, my, my pistol. You need a shotgun too, right? Yeah, you get a shotgun. Ah, see, now that's all you need. Oh, anything other than that is greedy. And then I will I will just throw some You only get in. to shoot when someone shoots at you first, though. That's that's typically how I play Fallout anyway. Mm. I'm not super good at the stealth part. Um <laughs> <laughs> Usually I've taken a few shots before I return fire. So yeah, that's about not far with how I play. So <laughs> that, uh, I just got shot. I think there's a bad guy around. Yeah. I just got shot again. Oh, maybe I should figure out where they're coming from. Yeah, Third that's, one. Okay, that's where they are. That's uh no exaggeration. That's just about how I play Fallout. So I'm I'm not really super worried about that. Oh uh, yeah, so I think I could play I think I could I could make a, a good Eli build. Um you gotta throw some points into speech because Eli was all about speech. He's actually very good and, and very. Oh, oh yeah, you know, I, I, it, the bar fight was pretty badass too. Oh yeah, holy cow! 
Anyway, I feel like we're crapping which on the movie, I, but it's so good. I, I do feel I need to uh, uh, point out another thing about the whole blindness thing. When everyone was surrounding him before the bar fight, they were all walking, and you could hear their footfalls on the wooden floor, so it would signal that he's getting surrounded. So it's another case of, you know, there are these little things they put into the movie, but, you know, as we've gone over, it doesn't quite make up for just how he Denzel was acting in the meantime. Right. All right, so I, we got to give it a score, and just once again, as a as a reminder for our viewing audience, by viewing I mean listening, by listening I mean downloading to their their choice listening devices. But anyway, to my audience out there, we here at Hero Talk feel that review scores are dumb, and they don't really add anything to a review, and they're only there to serve for the purpose of somebody who doesn't actually need to listen to the whole review to figure out whether we like it or not. So that's why we make them nonsense. So don't try to put too much basis in what you're about to hear. Because we're just going to make stuff up and it doesn't matter. So, Nick, what would you score Book of Eli? Uh, I think I can actually give you two different ones. Okay. One, less direct, I suppose you could call it, Ranger of the Wastes. (laughs) And if anyone doesn't feel like actually putting forth the effort to figure out what that means, that's actually a karma score for a particular level in Fallout 3. Uh Or I could say it has 2080 vision. (laughs) All right, I um, I I decided I was also going to go Fallout with my score, and I would say if uh, if Book of Eli was a DLC in Fallout, and you could somehow get a uh, Capital Free Wasteland Radio all the way out in California, I think I think Three Dog would have some really nice things to say about Eli. Yeah, I think he would. I think the Book of Eli would be getting some nice things from Three Dog, and I think I think that's worth consideration. And and this is the Fallout Three Dog, not the the Human Centipede Three Dog. Right, right. The Fallout, not the. Oh, all right. Well, I'm leaving that in. That's going to print. <laughs> Just referenced Human Centipede on on Hero Talk. We can can check that off the list. Uh, okay. So. Sorry, I went too far. Wow. Okay. Let's don't don't look up that reference, folks. Just just let that one slide. But if you haven't seen Book of Eli yet, you still can, even though you just listened to us basically spoil the whole thing for you and give away the twist ending. And, it's and worth it, watching at least once. But yes, I mean, the, the, the thing's been on FX at least once fan. a week for the last month. So if you see it on FX, you're like, what is this movie with Denzel Washington that I've never heard of? Uh, don't flip past it and don't go to FXX and just watch Simpson reruns. Stick with FX, watch Book of Eli. Just trust me on that one. It's a it's a good movie, uh, and the 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 best Fallout movie. To, if you're a Fallout fan and you haven't seen Book of Eli, seriously, you need to go watch Book of Eli. Like Fallout fans should all be watching this movie because that's this is this is your jam. I'm telling you. Here's a question though. Okay. What if they go to FFX, FXX and watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, listen, I, Nick. I'm not I'm not going to micromanage somebody's time. <laughs> You want to watch Always Sunny? You can all watch Always Sunny. But that's on Netflix, and Book of Eli is not, so take that for what it's worth. All right. It's a shame it's not on Netflix, although fortunately it, it is a movie I own, so it wasn't it's really that hard to, to get a hold of. Yep. All right, uh, so that was Hero Talk. So, Nick, thanks for doing this for me. Yep, no problem, man. It's fun. Uh, always good to do a, a good movie. I think we were due. Uh, Robocop yep. didn't really pan out for us, so it's nice to go back to a fun movie, have some fun poking at it, but honestly, I, I, I really like this movie. It was it, it was the right movie, especially to watch it when I did right after I finished like with with Fallout. That was... That was perfect, I think. Yeah, and, and Flaw- it, it 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 is definitely a flawed movie, but there's a lot of fun to be had. Right, if, which is which is the best way to do a movie. Seriously. Yeah, 
I would rather a movie be flawed but fun than be technically perfect but not fun. Yeah. Now, if if I could have my choice, I'd rather it be technically perfect and fun, but uh, every movie can't be Casablanca. <laughs> Which I think is the last movie I, I really can say was technically perfect and fun. I haven't seen it, so I'll take your word for it. I just, I really like Casablanca. I'm sure there's other movies out there. I'm being, like, unnecessarily brutal on it. But, uh, anyway. Uh, so this wasn't Casablanca, but still very good, very fun. We should do a Casablanca hero talk. Hmm. Probably shouldn't. That's probably not actually, a, there's not a very good overlap, <laughs> I think. It's a bit outside the normal wheelhouse for the show. It sure is. We'll we'll keep that for like a, a a special Thanksgiving Day episode. I don't know why Thanksgiving. There's nothing Thanksgiving esque about Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I'm at this point. I'm just this is just gibberish. So that's a good point to stop. <laughs> when we're talking gibberish, yes, yeah. it's a sign that we're done. All right, so and, uh, and and this isn't a kind of movie where we can keep pointing out weird stuff like in Street Fighter Chun Li. Right. Yeah. Oh, that was terrible. All right, we're not we're not talking about that movie because this was Hero Talk and Book of Eli. We highly recommend Book of Eli. I just want to, on behalf of my panel, thank you all for joining us. If you have a movie you want us to review, or if you want to be a part of one of these panels, maybe I'll consider bringing you on. The email is Hero Talk at Enthusiacs.com. Uh, for more articles, let's plays, videos, reviews. You can check out Enthusiacs.com. Uh, every Wednesday or so, uh, Nick, you actually put out Behind the Line. Yep. Which is a... And it's on Wednesday, right? Yeah, it's on Wednesdays now. Yeah, I, it started Tuesday. Now it's on Wednesday. So Wednesdays, you can check out Behind the Line, which is a, a look at uh, some of the inside workings of the, the video game industry from the point of view of somebody who's been in, entrenched in it and then out of it and then re-entrenched in it yeah i think that accurately describes your career path i had a cup of coffee out of it but yeah yeah all right there you go um but yeah so i'll check that out enthusiasts.com we are on we are on twitter uh that's at enthusiasts youtube enthusiasts uh we're on facebook i think you just look up enthusiasts we're on facebook uh still not on instagram and i will keep you updated on that progress although i don't really think we should be on instagram I looked it up. We did, there's nothing on Instagram really worth us contributing to. It's just a lot of pictures of random stuff. Um, so, and I'm sorry if Instagram's your social media of choice. I don't get it, and I don't think I ever will. Uh, but anyway, after all of that, I just want to thank you all for joining us, and I encourage you, nay, I demand, no, I'm just going to encourage, I encourage you to join us next time for Hero Talk. Hero Talk.